Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I've seen the license plate on the front of many folks' cars, trucks, whatever. They say, God is my co-pilot. In reality, that's the way he is to a lot of people's lives. They're the pilot, and he's the co-pilot. Whenever they get in trouble and they're heading for a crash, they want him to come in and help them, but he actually wants to be the pilot of our lives. In reality, who could we trust it to? But we all know it's so hard for our old flesh. You know, people take the scripture that Paul says that we are crucified with Christ. And I don't want to go that way today because I won't get to it. But, and they, they want to try to project that, that once you are crucified, there's no more life, no more will, no more stubbornness, no more whatever of the flesh. But it proves they really don't understand the crucifixion. When a person was crucified, they did not die immediately. Some of them would die for days. They have been known to go over a week hanging on a cross. You see the picture when they're really high, but they wasn't that high. They was just barely, barely off of the ground. So the dogs, the jackals, coyotes, whatever would come and tear the skin off their legs, the sinews off of their legs. The crows would pull their eyes out and they would start festering and so it would be weak. So when a person says, I am crucified, it does not mean that they died. Now we're talking about the nature of the soul. That's death. That's death. But for the flesh to be crucified means it's a constant, ongoing thing. Amen. Brother Donnie, will I ever get delivered? The morning of the body change. That's right. The morning of the body change. So just imagine yourself, you're hanging there on the cross, your body, your flesh, and little by little by little, it's dying. Except it ain't dogs pulling the skin off of you. It's a pastor, teacher, evangelist. Right? A tape you listen to, something that you hear that strikes conviction to your heart and makes you feel so bad, another muscle just fell off. That's what it is, it's crucifixion. I'm so grateful that he's so merciful to us, aren't you? To help us during that time. I wanted to make a comment also before we read today. I've just been uh, uh, still appreciating the services and Brother Andrew Glover was here with us on Sunday morning and, and Wednesday as well. Uh, just the Lord moved in some wonderful ways for different people. And I got another testimony this week of um, someone that was really ministered to and touched whenever Brother Andrew was here. Actually, the service that I preached to you this past Wednesday night, I was going to preach that two weeks ago on Wednesday. Done had it prepared, scriptures, quotes, all of that together, my thoughts already there. And I was going to preach that two weeks ago on Wednesday night. But when I heard Brother Andrew was going to stay over, I felt in my heart that it would be good for us to be able to be blessed by his gift again on Wednesday night. Uh, And I've learned that Timing with the Lord is such an important thing. So I'm so thankful for what God can do. Don't you appreciate the ministry, the God called ministry that God sends among us? And we so, so appreciate Brother Andrew and all that God's doing through him. Let's turn, if you would, again today to um, Romans chapter 6, verse 12. 
We greet you today, and it's certainly a privilege for us to be able to gather together once again in the house of the Lord, Romans chapter 6, verse 12. And those of you that still aren't able to be here uh, because of uh, various reasons with this COVID thing and all, we want you to know that you are not forgotten. We miss you. We love you. And we're grateful for everybody that can be here, but we certainly will be glad when this is all past where we can all be together again. <clears throat> also, I want to mention to you that I'll be taking Erica in the morning about 7.30. She has a scan uh, to see what, um, um, how effective that the chemo has been on her body. We believe that we serve a God that is so mighty that when they do that scan, if it would be pleasing to Him, it can totally, every bit of it, be gone. Do they not? So we'd like you to remember us in prayer in the morning with that, and then she'll have a doctor's appointment on Wednesday to see what the results of that is. Let's uh, read together, if you would, Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves. Now watch him, he's addressing two different parts of you. Don't you yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves, yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Now remember when Paul said in Romans 7 that he found the law that whenever he would do good, evil was present with him. And that was, of course, in his flesh. So he said, I found that that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. What a humiliating thing to say for a child of God. You'll never have complete victory until you're able to say it. That is in me, in my flesh, is nothing good. But as long as you think you've got a lot of good traits and a lot of good points and a lot of good things, you're still trying to raise your Ishmael and make him heir. But once we can say that, Lord, I realize in me is nothing good. So we know that he's speaking from this caption here that those that are alive from the dead. So these are not people that are just justified. These are not people that are even justified and sanctified, but people that have truly had a new birth. And your members as instruments, notice he does not place the raising from the dead in the human instrumentality, but he still leaves the human element and classifies them not as being reborn, but as instruments which can be made instruments of righteousness unto God. Notice in verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, and that is to basilio, which is the same word as reign. <clears throat> the root word there means to be king over or to have a dominion over your life. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. I may like to be remembered today as we pray and ask God to help us. Amen. Me as well. Heavenly Father, we love you so much today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your mercy. Our sister Tamika sang the song, Lord, 
None of us in reality can say to you today that we have always been faithful, that we've always been true, that we've always been persevering. To our shame, we've had our mistakes, our faults, we've had our shortcomings, we've had to say we are sorry so many times. But Lord Jesus, you've never had to use those words to me. I'm sorry, Donnie, I messed up. I'm sorry, Donnie, I I couldn't get to you. You've always been faithful. Lord, we rejoice today as we see our brother Jewel stand here before us. Father, thank you, Lord, for being with our brother. Lord God, we just pray that you'd continue to be with him and strengthen him, Lord, his life, his walk, his ministry, the church there, Lord. May you help them. As we endeavor to look into your word, we ask for your guidance and your counsel. Help me today, Father, that I can simply be a mouthpiece or an oracle by which you could speak your thoughts for this day. Help us, I pray, God. Minister to every one of our needs. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we ask it. And the saints said, God bless you. You may be seated. I'd like for us to look again, if we can, today on this parallel that we've been looking at for a, a few services on Ishmael and Isaac. In Galatians 4.22, Paul again says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondmaid was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was born by promise. Now it's amazing because both of them were born by sex desire. Both of them came through the loins of the same man. But one of them was attributed to a supernatural, miraculous work of God. And yet God used the same man, but it was altogether considered supernatural. How could it be so? In that that man's strength had been depleted. You see, it's not that God doesn't want to use us. He does. It's not that he wants to make us these spiritual giants and then he puts us in a cocoon somewhere or in a glass bubble and never does anything with us. That's, that's quite the contrary. Actually, he wants us to become more surrendered to his will, and the more we are, the more he pours himself into us. And then he takes that weak, humble, surrendered bit of humanity and uses it to accomplish his divine purpose. But you see, there's so much of us that runs into the parallel likeness of the way it was with Abraham of old. Now, he was a great man of faith. We know that. A man of great understanding of the principles of God and a recipient of the mercy of God like no other man had ever been up to that time. But, alas, he was still a man. He still had his failures. He still had his shortcomings, as do us all today. 
And he had a wife which was even weaker in faith than he was. A woman that was chosen to be the one by which God would bring the promised natural seed through. But a woman that Brother Random said actually never did truly believe right. She never was able to come to the place of faith that Abraham did. Now, but yet God chose to use her and God chose to help her to see a supernatural element about the mocking of Isaac that probably Abraham would not have seen or would have made excuses for. Now this is one of the things I love about God, that God, in dealing with us human beings, that he's able to look at us through our weaknesses and still love us. We have a hard time with that. We look at our loved ones, our friends, people we go to church with, and we see their frailties and their weaknesses and so on, and if we're not careful, we will let that work on our respect for each other and our, our love and our, you know, how we esteem each other because we tend to judge by the natural part instead of the spiritual part. But God is able to look at our weaknesses, our frailties, our humanity, our complexes, all of that, but he's able to look also at that deposit which he placed in our soul, which is of eternal value. Aren't you glad? Notice this in Genesis 21, 9. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Notice this, mocking. Now, let me just remind you of this Hebrew word, which is metzachik. It has the same Greek or the Hebrew word as Isaac, which is our English word, Isaac. So it is now used not in the form of a noun or an adjective to be able to describe a name or a descriptive term, but it is used in the form of a verb. So it is a word of action. So Moses chooses this word and said that Sarah saw Ishmael and he was actually Isaacing or acting like Isaac. So he wants to be Isaac's stand-in. He wants to be the one that in the program of God has the preeminence. He also wants to be the one in the family of Abraham that has the preeminence. So he is acting like Isaac. Now remember, he's half Egyptian and half Abraham. But now Isaac is three years old. Ishmael is 16. So he's seen enough in three years to understand how to impersonate what the heir should be like. So he takes three years of experience and he takes 16 years of existence with his father's favor. Now remember, Abraham loved this son. This was his only son till three years ago. So for 13 years, he has entrained in this son. He has ingrained it in his intellect. 
He's believed it himself. No doubt his servants heard him say all kinds of quotes that he was going to be the heir and he was going to take his place when he left. Well, praise the Lord. But that was not God's promise. That was Abraham's perception as far as God had revealed it to him. So Ishmael now is acting like Isaac. Now keep in mind, not only Ishmael and Isaac, but your body and your soul. So the whole thing is which son is the heir? Which one of you is the heir? Is it the natural man or woman born of sex desire or is it the spiritual gene of God born only by the breath of God? But if you will look at yourself and study yourself, and hopefully you have in the last couple of weeks that we've been looking at this, you will find that your Ishmael also wants to Isaac. Your Ishmael, if he cannot stop you from going to church and stop you from being a child of God and rob you from your new birth experience, then your Ishmael will try to lead you through an image called Isaac. So he will never want to tell you that this is carnal. He will never want you to believe that this is him usurping over the spiritual gene of God. But he will want to lead you in a more religious way to where you will feel this is the leading of the Lord for your life. What's he doing? Isaac and I feel led to do this and I feel led to do that and I feel led to do something else. Now, notice what God had to do here in this instance that Abraham, you know, the Bible doesn't really declare that Abraham saw this particular thing. But no doubt he had been around Ishmael and Isaac, and Isaac just a wee little lad, now three years old. So he saw Ishmael, and maybe he would carry him up on his shoulders, and maybe he'd take him out with a sheep, and he would take him down to get water, and they'd do all kinds of things together. But Abraham would look at this in a total different way than what Sarah would. Now, it could have been perceived that it was through jealousy that Sarah had seen this, but actually God opened her eyes through motherhood. Now listen, God opened her eyes through motherhood, and she's not viewing this in the case of jealousy, nor is she viewing it in a selfish case, but actually the Spirit of God is is inspiring her to see that something here isn't quite right. Isn't it amazing that God would reveal it to her instead of to Abraham? I hope that God helps you and I today that our eyes can be open, that we will be able to see what our Ishmael is trying to do to us. Hopefully God don't have to knock us on the head with a 10-pound sledgehammer. Hopefully God don't have to have the preacher to say it over and over again, but hopefully God will be able to reveal it to you Sarah, that you will be able to see your own Ishmael and see your strengths and see your weaknesses and see that you are truly 
your greatest enemy. You see, it will mean much more to you if you can actually see it for yourself then you finally get it 38 more years down the road after I keep preaching on this. And you finally get it by repetition. It'll have so much more value to you if God can show you your own Ishmael trying to take the place of your Isaac. Now, what's this that in the plan of God, uh, this, we move now into a permissive cycle of the plan of God for Abraham. And we know that Ishmael was conceived of the natural man, Abram. Remember God, when he spoke to him some years after this situation. And God said, take your son, your only Son, can't God count? Don't God remember Ishmael? But who is God speaking to? Abraham. Abraham only had one son. Abram had another son. Praise the Lord. But you see, Isaac was born in a supernatural way. Now what's this in Genesis 17, 15? And God said unto Abraham, as for Sarai, thy wife. Now God has already changed his name now, and God addresses him under the new name. As for Sarai, thy wife. Thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. Now, we've looked at this already last Sunday that there was this molding and shaping of Sarai's character. And after these 13 years of this uh, dealing with Hagar and dealing with Ishmael and probably, excuse me, thinking that she was left totally out of the program of God. But something was molded in her and shaped in her, changed her mind, changed her mentality, changed her spirit before God could ever change her name. Now listen to me, whenever we come to the message of the hour, and most of you was probably like myself, you didn't even realize that there was a bride, that there was a difference between the bride and the church. But yet when we come to a message church and we started hearing uh, the tapes of the prophet and the message sermons preached by pastors and evangelists, and we started allowing ourselves to be called the bride and bride churches and bride message. And we started adapting slowly the terminology of us being the bride. You remember that? Well, you know, for years and years we've been in church and we was, we was called the church. It was called Baptist or Church of God or whatever you were and you were called church. But as far as really the identification of bride, we wasn't so much until we come to the message of the hour because this is a bride message. Amen. But whenever we did, we actually assumed that title to bride and we moved into that status quo. But really, for a lot of us, it was not by revelation yet. 
We just moved under that assumption that we're being called the bride. Well, I don't know why they call them bride, but they just call them bride. Well, I guess I'm bride too. But you see, what God wants to do is the same thing that happened to Sarah in that she's changed from Sarai to Sarah, S-A-R-A-H. And God wants you and I to move from us just being called bride and thinking about bride and bride terms and bride churches and all of that till we actually, by revelation, are able to realize I am the bride. I am the bride. There's no longer a title to me that is separate from who I am, but I am that. I am bride. Now, God had to work on Sarai, and notice her name is crowned. The finale of her name under that old dispensation is crowned with an I. But that would never be for her to be able to walk into the complete plan of God. So God removes the I off of the end of her name and puts the H out of Elohim on the end of her name and calls her Sarah which is princess. Now, God has, has dealt with both of them, of course, and brought them a long way. But still, up to this time, God has not changed her. But notice in verse 16, that God in verse 15 now tells Abraham that her name will be Sarah. In verse 16, and I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. She shall be a mother of nations, Kings of people shall be of her. Now, all at once, here comes the divine promise of God. But this promise of God has a message of mixed emotions. Now, Abraham has waited for these 25 years for the ultimate of this promise. But along the way, he got sidetracked in believing that Ishmael had actually fulfilled this promise word. Amen. Now watch Abraham's response. Now what God does is actually brings a message that should be of such exaltation. It should bring such joy to this man's heart. He should be leaping for joy and rejoicing and praising God for what God is going to do. But look at what a peculiar response he gives to God. You see, the blessings have been foretold and the promise of God has then been made. So what does Abraham do? Instead of saying, oh, glory to God, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. He falls down on his face and says, let Ishmael live before you. Look how hard the flesh dies. It's amazing when we are hearing sermons and things that come from God that is leading us to our final climax of a body change. And some of us have a hard time accepting it. It's like the death of our flesh will culminate in the rebirth of our flesh, but instead of us rejoicing about it, you mean we're this close. We are this close to the body change. Folks say, well, you mean I've gotta give up that too? I've gotta to quit that and I, I gotta give up that and I've gotta quit that? 
Oh my. Instead of leaping for joy and rejoicing, Brother Jim, Abraham feels this mixed cycle. He said, what? You mean Ishmael, he, he's not the promised son? Hallelujah. He resists the blessing of God. Look at us. See yourself in this man. Look at him. He does not say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know what you're going to do with Ishmael, but I know it'll be great. I know it'll be wonderful. But instead of he doesn't even address that, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And then say, now what are you going to do with Ishmael? He doesn't even address the promised son. His focus is, what about my Ishmael? But this is what I've done, God. This is what I helped you do. I've spent years in doing this. That's the problem. He does not want to draw his heart away from the son that has become so entwined. Now place yourself in this. You've waited all these years for a son and you get one even though it's through Hagar, but it was still Abraham's son. He loved him, no doubt. He had taught him all types of wonderful things. And this message from God is about a promised son. But instead of him rejoicing, he gets all tore up. Oh, my. I wonder if God goes to calling for us at Happy Valley to move a little higher. And saying, you got to lay this down. You got to come a little closer. You got to do this. You got to do that. I wonder if we would be kind of like Abraham and said, well, uh, you know, do I have to? I mean, you know, I, I, I like this. I, I really do. I really, God's took nearly everything from me. I mean, my goodness, how much more does he want? Everything. You see, there may not be but one or two things left that's hanging on you, and they're not even necessarily sin, but they're just time absorbers. They're time absorbers. So it's things that you really enjoy doing, and whenever it comes to reading your Bible, praying, listening to tapes, and whatever more, it's just not as enjoyable as your favorite pastime or your favorite hobby. Oh, goodness. My, my, my. Notice now how that we cringe when our, ain't it amazing how this little spirit now has kind of calmed down. Everybody's wrinkling Ishmael's toes in the shoes and you wish you'd wore a hard hat and hard shoes to church today. Why is it? Because your Ishmael don't want to die, does he? No, that's, that's the very thing, friends, with all of us. It's the reason we're no closer to God today. But you see, whenever God's past does not coincide with ours, then we simply go to prayer or we go to our petition. Now, Lord, you said whatever I ask in your name that you'd do it. Really, would you really reconsider this Isaac thing? I mean, that's okay. I, I wouldn't mind having another son. But please don't displace Ishmael. Surely, God, you're not going to displace him, are you? Are you going to let him totally out of the covenant? Oh, my. 
And so many words, we may not say that to God in our vocabulary, but it's in our spirit and in our temperament, and we think it. So you see, when he's speaking about Isaac, oh my, God is now bringing the culmination of the covenant to Abraham, but instead of Abraham rejoicing, Ishmael is so very dear to his heart, he just can't already stand to let it go. Now listen to what your father done. Verse 17, then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart. Now he's not singing in a positive affirmation, but in a question. Shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old? And shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, oh, that Ishmael. You've got to be kidding me. He is not thanking God. He's not rejoicing. God is answering his prayer. But it's not in the way he wanted it answered. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Been there and done that. What is wrong with this man, Brother Nathan, that he would wait for the promise of God and the greatest message. Now, if you'll read this when you get time this evening or sometime this week, and when you go to talking or reading how that God is talking all these great things to Abraham, it has been as far as the scripture writes it down. It has been about 14 years of silence. The scripture mentions no conversation between God and Abraham. And Abraham has been walking in this dry spot with God. And God finally comes to him and gives him this great message. And instead of him rejoicing, he falls back and pleads for Ishmael. You see, the very existence of Ishmael was a memorial to the weakness of Abraham's faith. And also his patience to be able to trust God that he would fulfill what he said. Oh, how hard the flesh dies. Let me say it again. How hard the flesh dies. So God is now fixing to progress. And watch Abraham. Even before God ever says it, Abraham is trying to stop God from excelling the covenant blessing to Isaac. And before God even says it, Oh, that Ishmael may live, which is dwell in your presence. He wants the Shekinah. He wants the Shekinah, the glory of God, to be identified with the person of Ishmael. But God said, no. You know why sometimes our prayers aren't answered? We're praying against the will of God. We're praying for things that would not benefit us. We're praying for things that's the wrong time or the wrong season or the complete wrong answer. Praise the Lord. Oh my. So Ishmael was not according to God's plan. But yet Abraham wants to bring an amendment to the program of God. You know, you know the old nature can be disciplined. The flesh can be disciplined. It can actually be taught subjection and submission to the will of God. But face it, 
you will never change it. We've wasted years trying to perfect this. You and I have wasted years trying to take an Ishmaelite and make a son or daughter of God out of it. It'll only be changed when we get our glorified bodies, which is the image image of Isaac reflected in the flesh. Notice this, and Abraham said unto God, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Or one translation said it this way, why can't you let Ishmael take over all my things? Another translation says, it would be better if you would take care of Ishmael and bless him. Can you imagine arguing with God? And God said, no, look, I'm gonna bring you this son. He said, no, 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 no. It would just be better. I've I've spent 16 years of my life training this one. Just just use this one. Just use this one. This one's fine, it's fine. In our words, God could have said, it might be fine with you, but it ain't fine with me. Now watch sovereignty. I love sovereignty displayed over human ignorance. Now one reason I love that so much is because I've had so many instances in my own life. And another reason I love it is because I know I've got a bunch of sheep here that's had the same thing displayed in their life. Had it not been, y'all been dead and I've been dead with you. Well, hallelujah. Not only that, but our prophet, as much as we love and respect him, he had to have the same thing applied to his life in several instances, or he would have took his own life by putting his hands on the power lines. Come on. He would have been a murderer by taking his gun to kill them, that guy that poisoned his dog. But whenever God sees that the situation requires it, God will step in with divine sovereignty and override even human will. Oh, praise God. When God is determined to do a certain thing, neither hell nor high water nor demons nor you nor you nor you nor I will override the will of God. When God has determined to do it, it will happen. So Abraham pleads his case. Verse 19, and God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed. You're kind of crazy right now, Abraham, but you'll come to your senses. How many times have we done the same thing? We've just been nearly lunatic when it comes to looking to promise of God. And then you look back and say, Lord, thank you for not answering that prayer. I'd have been in a mess if you'd answered that. Notice how God looks at Abraham and he doesn't say, that's it, boy, I'm finished with you. God just ignores him as an ignoramus. Well, praise God. Ham has been ignored as an ignoramus by God before. Oh, yeah. Some, we got some angels here with us today. They're not. Their prayers must all be 
consistently with the word. Well, I, I'll tell you one thing, mine haven't been. I've prayed some stupid stuff before. I've asked some foolish things before. You look back at the time, it seems logical. At the times, it seemed like the right thing to do. But then you look back and you realize, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your mercy. I wonder how many times I had that Abraham got alone with God and said, Lord, I really hate that deal. Remember that thing back there? I'm really sorry about that. Sorry about that. Abraham said, you know, God, that's, that's fine. I understand you're just a mortal. You're subject to mistake. But I love you in spite of your mistakes. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. Or our English word, Isaac. You will call his name, he laughs. Praise God. And I will establish my covenant. Notice sovereignty. God isn't even going to wait till he's born and ask him if he wants to. God ain't going to say, now whenever Isaac gets old enough, I, I plan on making my covenant with him, but of course it'll be totally based on his free moral agency. He wasn't free will Baptist. Here is God declaring the covenant with this boy before he's ever conceived. God came and declaring his covenant before he's ever born. Well, let me go further back before the foundation of the world. God wrote your name. God spoke your name. It's written indelibly with the blood of the Lord Jesus before there was ever an earth, before there was a star, before there was a moon. God established his covenant with you and nothing will destroy that covenant. Nothing. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. This is the answer to Abraham's prayer. Take Ishmael, do this with Ishmael. But God, instead of answering with N-O, God said, I will establish my covenant with Isaac and his seed forever. Now, can't you see, friends, why that the Arabians and the Ishmaelites and the Hagarenes and the Nabataeans and the Medanites and the Midianites and all the rest of these people that descended from Abraham on the other side must have a new book to declare their identity. Because according to the Hebrew Bible, Isaac and his seed are the heirs. Well, praise the Lord. So what happened then? There was a descendant from Ishmael called Mohammed. And he has a visitation from an angel. I don't doubt that. But I do doubt it being Gabriel. Gabriel wouldn't have told Daniel one thing and Muhammad something else. Amen. Praise the Lord. When Gabriel come to Daniel, he come and he identified the Jews as what? The holy people. 
He sure wouldn't have come and told Muhammad to kill him in holy war. Well, praise the Lord. So what does it do then? It displaces Isaac. And those of you that have the Quran or have read it, you'll read and find out that they believe then that Ishmael was the one that Abraham took up to offer unto God. So they must have a book that displaces the promised seed. Can't you see why the modern Laodicean Americans want their own Queen James Version? Why, because the King James Version blasts homosexuality and lesbianism, well, hallelujah. Don't get quiet on me. So what do they do? They write their own version. I don't want the Queen James, I want the King James. The Koran, I want God's holy word because that identifies the Jews and the Bible believing Christians as the people of the book. You see, the difference is here is Ishmael, the seed of Abraham, under the name Abram. Here is Isaac, the seed of Abraham, under his new name. What's the difference that come from the same loins, come from the same man, come from the same body? What was the difference? The woman. The woman. Both of them come in the natural sense from the very same man, from the very same loins of the very same human being. How did one get the covenant and one did not? The mother. Ishmael's mother was not princess. (laughs) It was Hagar. Can't you see? All my churches and men all over the world today One's been a mother of the Baptist, a mother of the Church of God, a mother of the Episcopalian, and the mother of them all, the great whore. Hallelujah, but there's another woman that's gathering on the earth today. Oh, glory. Oh, they will take this part of the seed and that part of the seed and that part of the seed, but who is it that becomes the heir of everything that he has? It's the right woman with the right seed. Take the seed and sow it in a prostitute's heart. It'll never manifest the word, but take the seed of Abraham and plant it in Sarah, and what will you produce? An Isaac. An Isaac. Right man with the right woman with the right seed. You get the right offspring. Take the message of the hour, sow it in the heart and of a make believer. They'll sit in message pews for years. Eventually they'll come to the spot they can't take it no more. They'll leave the message. They'll start making their YouTube videos, all that sort of thing. Same seed, same prophet, same message, sitting under the same pastor. Take that same word and sow it in this heart and that heart and that heart and that heart and that and that and that. What do you find? Son of God, daughter of God, son of God, daughter of God. Same preacher, same message, same word. What's the difference? The woman. The woman. Hallelujah. What's the difference? The woman. Sarah. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
My mother, she was a wonderful mother. Betty Jane Schott was her name. Till she married my father. I was the first one from their union. Wonderful mother. But God could not sow his word seed in my mother and her give birth to that. But I do have a mother. My soul has a mother. As a matter of fact, the prophet says it this way, our mother is God. Why would I want to settle for Mary? And I have another mother in the antitype, and that is Jerusalem. So my mother is not Rome. I've stood in Rome. I don't want Rome. Praise the Lord. I've stood in Chicago. I don't want it. You can have New York. You can have all the rest of these places. I want Jerusalem. That is my mother. Hallelujah. You see, so it's not just the child. It's not just the revival. Oh, well, God, God gave the, the Lutherans a revival and the Methodists, and sure, and the Pentecostals are right. But it's not just the revival. It's the mother. The mother. You see, God, I know it's strange, but in a strong, almost harsh statement, God rebukes Abraham. Amen. When you read this in the Hebrew, it's, it's amazing. It's a corrective mandate. It's the Logos. Saying no, no, no. Ishmael is not your heir. I'll bless him. I'll let him feel me when he goes to church. Can't you see, friends, why our faith so struggles with our feelings? And you know as well as I do that we've entered into a state in the last several years that it seems to be less and less feeling. Less feeling. How I many knows what I'm talking about? Less feeling than we've ever had. And yet there's a presence around us that's different than feeling. The, to me, the presence of God is such an awesome state right now, but it's not identified necessarily with feelings on the flesh. And then we question our sonship because we don't feel him. Don't you see what you're doing? You're letting Ishmael be the guide of where you are with God. Instead of you saying, I've met God's covenant, I know, but Brother Donnie, I used to, and I'd go pray, and I'd get along with the Lord, and I'd go to speaking in tongues, or I'd get blessings of God, but now I do that, it seems like nothing happens. I know he's there, but it seems like nothing happened. Maybe God is trying to get you to a spot that you realize your Isaac is a man of the soul, not a man of feelings, not a man of emotions. Yes, we believe in feelings. Yes, we believe in emotions until they try to rule us, then they become our Ishmael. Now listen to me carefully. When God divides this in Genesis 17, 19, I will establish my covenant with him. 
The blessings of the covenant are reserved for Isaac. Common blessings will be given to Ishmael. And they're given abundantly. Oh yeah. He's going to father 12 princes. But notice what God said about Sarah. Kings will come out of her. Praise God. Don't you see even the position was decreed by the sovereignty of God. Ishmael will have princes. Hallelujah. But Isaac will father kings. Amen. Hagar can be the offshoot by which princes will be brought forth. But Sarah, the real wife, is the mother of kings. Potentates. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I blessed him. Now please don't get mad at me. But I've often wondered what would have happened to the seed of Ishmael if Abraham had not prayed this prayer. If he would have accepted the will of God and say, God, I accept this as your will. I commit him to you. Do with him as you see fit. Of all the peoples of the earth, whether they be white Europeans, whether they be many of the African tribes, the Arabs are one of the few peoples on the earth that have never been totally, completely conquered. Why? Prayer of Abraham. They have been a thorn in the side of Isaac for years and years and still are to this very day. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal when you think about it that Israel has made, you know, some sort of agreement with Bahrain and with the UAE. And they, I just read yesterday where they say after the presidential election just in a few days that Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia will be making an announcement as far as working on a peace accord with Israel. We'd have never thought it in this, our generation, when they every one of them had nation, they said the only way we will ever do it, Israel must die. There will never be peace. Friends, you're living in the hours of prophecy. But why are they so big? Why are they so large? Look at where they sat on some of the largest oil reserves in the world. They may not have good maters, but they sure got a lot of oil. They may not even raise a pumpkin or a cucumber or a carrot because they live right in the middle of the desert, but boy, the Lord sure gave them riches down there in the bottom of the sands. Is that right? Look at them. Some of the wealthiest people in all of the world. Why? Abraham prayed the blessing of God right down on Lord have mercy. I wonder how many of the things in our life we prayed God to bless it, not knowing years down the road you'd still struggle with that blessing.
Watch the superiority by the divine origin of God. Pass Ishmael and go straight to Isaac. Apparently Abraham must have learned a good lesson because he never asked no more, did he? A little bit late because the cycle's done set in motion. My covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee. Watch him again. Hey, listen, boy. Listen to me. I'm telling you, Sarah is going to have a child. Get ready, whether you want it or not. My covenant will I establish with Isaac. With Sarah. Watch God keep saying her name. Hallelujah. Now it's moved into the cycle to the Logos. Has become manifest on the earth. She don't even know it yet. But God's calling her by her new name. Abraham and God still alone. And they're, they're still having fellowship. And, and Sarai still back in the tent. Lord have mercy. But the move is on for the bride. She don't even know it yet, but the move is on for the bride. She's still battling under Syria. She's still battling under the humanity and all that. And God is over talking to her husband, calling her Sarah, princess this, princess that. I established with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Listen to this verse 22. And he left off talking with him. And God went up from Abraham. You imagine the act of condescension. The eternal would come down and talk to a mere mortal, no doubt in his Christ body. And that mortal wouldn't accept his covenant Harry initially. That mortal tried to talk him out of it. That mortal tried to go around the other way. But the condescension of God, oh my, and his greatness, and he condescended with such humility, he'd forgive this mortal of his stupidity. Thank God. And he left off talking. Now search your scriptures well close and you'll find this is the longest conversation thus far recorded with God talking to a human. Hallelujah. Grace, kindness, mercy. The longest uninterrupted conversation that God has. And God went up from Abraham. Oh, I can just imagine him. As this visible presence of the Christ goes up. And he gets up off of his knees, maybe down on his face. He's trying to comprehend what's just happened. Again, the theophanic appearance, the prefigure of the Lord Jesus has come and he spoke these words. He's trying to understand it. So Ishmael, Ishmael's not going to die. Maybe this is what he's thinking in his mind, that if Isaac is going to be born, 
Maybe God's going to kill him. God's going to get him out of the way. But he's got it resolved. No, no, he's not going to die. He's not yet married. He's going to live. And God's going to give me and Sarah something. You imagine as he started home, the manifestation of the promised son began to take a hold of his emotions. And he said, <laughs> me and Sarah, I'm going to have a son. Imagine as he walks into the camp that day, they look at him and they think, what is the matter with him? He looks so different. And he goes into the tent and Sarah, they're doing whatever more. Maybe Ishmael there and he said, Ishmael, would you go out with your mother? Sarah, where you been? Talking with God. Well, what did he give you this time? He gave you the earth. Told you your seed would be like the stars, the sand. What did he give you? He changed my name. He took my name and went A-B-R-A and went and took the H out of his name and slid it down in the middle of my name and put it back together and he started calling me in prayer, Abraham. You imagine she felt left out of the revelation? Are you curious what else he told me? Sure. Sure, whatever. He talked to me about you, bride. And he told me to tell you that he loved you before the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. Oh, you mean he mentioned me this time? He said something about me. He said, your name is no longer Sarai, but your name will be called Sarah. You imagine, Abram, you mean finally, I get a place in this message. And you're all these years, I thought it was just about Brother Branham and Brother Branham's family and the Branham Tabernacle. And, you know, I just thought it was all about, no, it ain't just about Brother Branham. It's not just about Brother Branham's family. It's about the family of God. Well, that is so wonderful. So what does Sarah mean? It means princess. Oh, that's so wonderful. Oh, it's so wonderful. I got my name changed. Oh, that's so wonderful. Sarah, he said, you're going to have a son. Oh, I got to sit down on this one. (laughs) Abraham, you're not teasing me. I'm telling you, Sarah, the promised son will be made manifest in your body. Glory be to God. It will be a short, quick work, but it will be made manifest in your body. I hear him saying the fifth seal, I believe that the time laying ahead of us when missing limbs will be 
restore. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Abraham, you're not teasing. I'm not teasing. He said, you would have a son and we will call his name Isaac. 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 In our language, that, 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 it means laughter. You imagine them taking each other by the hand. He said, don't dance now, I'm still old. <laughs> Whoa, careful, careful. Sit down, just sit down here. Oh, glory to God. Abraham, is it true? Is it true? I tried to get him to take Ishmael, but he wouldn't do it. He said, you're going to have a son. When? About this same time next year. Think of it, friends. About this time next month, or in six months, or next year, we could be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Glory to God. Before 2021 ever rolls around, we could be gone. Amen. Before October ever, oh, but Brother Donnie, I'm so under such anticipation for the election day. Me too. I've done had my election day. God let me know he elected me before the foundation of the world. So what I'm getting really excited about is going home. Hallelujah. Brother, you talking about an election day when the rapture comes and gathers the bride home. That'll be the real election day when the elect of God are gathered from all over the earth. The Targum of Ancleos and the Targum of Jonathan, which are two of the oldest manuscripts of the Old Testament, Phrase, the glory of the Lord, the glorious Shekinah, the Lord of life and glory, ascended up from Abraham. So the Shekinah, or as we call it in the English word, Shekinah. The Shekinah come down. Hallelujah. Before Abraham and Sarah go to body change. That same pillar of fire has visited the earth again. Now, Brother Brandon was taken, but guess what? The pillar of fire, he's still here. But when he leaves, we leave with him. Praise God. Don't you love him, children? Oh, don't you want God today just to help you? to lay this old Ishmael aside. Your Ishmael will constantly try to sell your Joseph into bondage. It was the Ishmaelites, remember, that carried Joseph down to Egypt and sold him out. Kin. They were kin. Your flesh will constantly try to sell you. Oh, you don't feel it. You, you don't understand it. Why well, you ain't felt God in this, this and that and that. Why, how in the world can you believe the promise of God? You're saying you're healed and you're as sick as you was yesterday. Why well, them symptoms, don't you understand? That's Ishmael's voice. Some of you blame it on the devil because you don't want to call it you, but actually a lot of the talking is you. The devil ain't to blame for a lot of that stuff you hear going on in your head. It's you. But you need to shut up, Ishmael. 
Just like God shut up Abraham. I will indeed give you this promise. So you need to talk to your body when it gets rebellious and unruly. You need to let the soul talk to it and say, shut up flesh. I'm fixing to make a way for you to be changed. I'm doing you a favor. I'm going to lead you to a new body. Praise God. Let's bow our heads together. Oh, Lord Jesus. I cannot imagine what an awesome thing it must have been that day when Moses saw you in that form. And Abraham sees you in this form. Lord God, how my eyes long to see you in our bridegroom form. When you talked to him that day and said, I am going to visit you. And about this same time next year, Sarah will embrace the son. Maybe it was that night or the night after, we don't know. But something come upon their bodies after this meeting with the Shekinah. And it changed their bodies. Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for stumbling. Forgive us for trying to tell you a better way of how to run your program. I'm sorry, God. I pray you'd help us all today, Lord Jesus, that we can learn more and more the great reward of surrender. The more we give up, the more we give away of ourselves, the more that I can surrender, the lighter my load, the less I struggle. Oh, Jesus, help us, Father. The prophet taught us if we just empty out, just let go and let God. But the flesh is so hard to die. We've nurtured this Ishmael, some of us for 64 years, some for 70, some for 80, some for 15, for 20. It's hard not to let him lead us. But Lord God, we thank you for your mercy to us. I thank you, my God, for the moments that I've spent foolishly in your presence, and you could have killed me, but your grace was sufficient. I mean, things that I asked for, things that I was praying contrary to the will of God, at the time it seemed the best. But yet, Lord, you and your sovereignty, thank you, Lord. We see sovereignty displayed so many times in the Scripture. But we can bring it on down even closer than that and see it in our own lives. When we would have ruined the rest of our life, but the grace of God intervened. Help us today, Jesus. I pray you deal with every heart here today. Those that are streaming, may the presence of God go to them. It's not that we're saying that we're trying to be, live a disembodied life, that our soul floats around without the influence of flesh. We know we must have a body. But God, we want it to be brought subject to your word and kept there. But we know it is a daily task. In the age and the hour that we live, it's not just daily, it's hourly. Satan, with all of his things of fear and doubt and frustration, worry, all the sickness, diseases that's around us everywhere, Lord. Heavenly Father, we need your help. Our Isaac calls upon your name.
our Isaac is an heir of the everlasting covenant. Give us peace, Lord Jesus. Give us strength. Grant it, I pray, Lord. Eric, can we sing that? The more that I surrender. Oh, Jesus. You love him today with all your heart. You want to be able, by the grace of God, to surrender more and more and more of your Ishmael. Remember, according to what the angel of the Lord told Hagar, he will be a wild man, untamed, and he will dwell in the midst of his brethren. So will your body live in the midst of its brother, your soul until it is changed. But unlike Ishmael, which cannot be tamed, one day a sweep will come over you and you'll take on that glorified state. Praise God. Let's just worship Him together, can we? Can we take a few minutes before we go? The more that I surrender lighter i
and I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. More than ever, Lord, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I lift my hands, I bow my knees, and worship at your throne. Oh, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right
fashion me, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
appreciate the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Let's sing this little chorus. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see of my heart. 